You're listening to the Pocket Coven Podcast, where we explore the magical and mystical and where they intersect with the wide world of mental health. I'm Amber Lenore, a pagan creative arts therapist. And I'm Callie Little, a pagan emotional support witch and artist. We invite you to listen, connect, and deepen your relationship's magic. And to yourself. We're the coven in your pocket. Hello and welcome back. Hello. Yes, welcome back. We haven't been on air, as it were, in several weeks. Or at all in 2022. That's true. This is our first episode of the year. I am very excited about today's episode because we love a tarot episode. Yeah. I was hoping that this year we would do more episodes focused on different tarot cards. Mm -hmm. So... Today's episode on our card of the year, which is the lovers, feels like a fun little deep dive, Mm -hmm. a good way to greet 2022. I agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that the way that you and I kind of started our year together as family and as collaborators was really perfect. Um, You drove us down to the lighthouse at Discovery Park here in Seattle, and we sat in the extremely cold wind and just kind of talked about all of our big ideas and goals and the manifestations that we want to be bringing into this year and what we want to be leaving behind. This was also my first opportunity to visit a lighthouse since I put my arcane bullshit, (laughs) I'm about to go cry near a lighthouse bumper sticker on my car. So that was a very fun initiation. And yes, it was, it was a really lovely way to bring in this year. And, you know, as you said that, I'm like, wow, that's a very lover's thing for us to do Mm -hmm. is to just, as just a little dyad, just go down to the beach and sit and just talk Mm -hmm. and just look at the water And just feel the environment. I agree. Well, before we jump into talking about the lovers and how that might play out this year, uh, we, you know, started this new tradition in a recent episode of pulling a tarot card at the beginning of the episode. But since this episode is about a tarot card already, we decided that we would each pull an oracle card from one of our respective decks. Uh, Would you like to do the first pull? Certainly. I am using the Dreamscape Oracle deck by Ethereal Visions. They also publish a couple of the other decks that I use regularly. I really like that company. And, oh, look at this card I got. It's called The Seer. Wow, she's beautiful. How would you describe her? Um, She looks like a Taurus to me, honestly, um, because she's got this beautiful, like, horned eye at the crown of her head, but she also has some snakes coming out of her hair. She's got some Medusa vibes. Her eyes are just pure white and she has a very stoic gaze down. So I feel like this is somebody who's sitting back in her power. Uh, She is calm and she knows that she has her shit together. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about getting the seer as our guide forward for the episode and maybe just for some of the themes that are even present in the world. A seer Mm -hmm. is a magician of um, divining, right? Mm -hmm. They're able to Mm -hmm. connect to other worlds and 
I think that our listeners are of that ilk, right? We're seers. That's also what we do. So that to me speaks very much to embodying your gifts. Those of us who have that, that, um, predisposition towards insight or into Mm -hmm. looking within. Yeah. I, I feel like these are cards that we're pulling to complement the card of the year, the lovers. Um, and you can also use your own card of the year. Everybody has the general card of the year, which is just calculated by adding the numbers of the current year. So two plus zero plus two plus two is six. That's the lovers. But your personal card of the year is going to be your birth date plus the year. So I'm, I was born on September 2nd. So nine plus two plus two plus two plus two is, uh, is eight when you reduce it down. And so that's the strength card. Um, but these are what we're pulling for you as, you know, your coven siblings in your pocket. Um, this is what we're predicting for our coven for the year. We've got the seer, a diviner, uh, somebody who can look past I feel like past the veil, whatever that is, whether it's a spiritual veil, a veil of lies or manipulation or mm, pretext, I think that it's about really having clear vision. Um, And maybe that means for you that you get really clear on your goals this year. Maybe it means that, you know, in your relationships, when you're relating to the lover's card, It's about really seeing through what you're saying to the core of maybe the challenges you're facing or to the truth that is scary but exciting. You know, this is a year of really big revelations for a lot of people in relationships. I've also heard that of the astrology of this year, big tectonic relational shifts and generally for the evolution of self. There is very well-starred astrology for personal development this year. If you are not ready, I don't know, go hide because this year is not going to pull punches, in my opinion. Yeah, keep your head down if you don't want the personal transformation that's coming. Yeah, but if you keep your head down, beware. It is going to be so bad for you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, it will still happen. You just won't be present for it and you won't be able to enjoy it. Yeah, very much. You know? Very much like a Mercury retrograde. Like you Mm -hmm. can use it to your advantage, but it's going to happen either way. So, you know, use it or let it use you. Yeah. Let go or be dragged. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Would you like to know what card I pulled? I would love to. So this is from the Living Altar Oracle and Spell Deck by Kiki Robinson and Ilva Radazowski. I don't know for sure that I ever say her name right, but she, uh, both of them are lovely Seattle witches who do a ton of social justice work, a ton of magical work for individuals, for the collective. Um, and Kiki Robinson is opulent, witch on Instagram, Ilva Radizowski is oh, my favorite Instagram handle ever. Bimbo Yaga. It's so good. So good. Uh, so the card that I pulled is inspiration. What a wonderful pairing. I know. It's so beautiful. Like you can, you can look out and absorb that inspiration. You're looking for muses this year. Perfect for the lovers. You know, I think my ideal relationship is that, and relationship in the general term, like people I am in relationship to 
we are muses to each other. I want to inspire you to be your best and I want to be inspired to be my best when I'm around you. No ego about it. Like I just want us to be creating in tandem and together and in parallel. Uh, But I will read what the lovely witches of this deck have to say about it because, man, this is a, a heavy, intense, beautiful deck. This is like not fucking around. Yeah. So the correspondences for this one are spring, east, air, rebirth, childhood, emergence, promise, sunrise, crescent moon, and first quarter moon. And the spell for this one is, I am a cosmic vision board. I will not fear my inspiration because the door it opens is a portal of deep transformation. I trust myself to the unfolding, knowing that the fruits I harvest from this present inspiration will be far greater than the form they are in. It is an invitation from our future to catalyze in the moment of its arrival the steps necessary to begin the journey. I will not fear my inspiration, nor force, nor contain it, nor define it, nor constrain it through definition. For I know it is spark and ember, and I am the hearth of creation. I spin ether into threads, which to weave my own becoming. I embrace my inspiration willingly, knowing it is my undoing, for I know I will be a truer expression of myself. Ooh. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's juicy. Oh, it's such a good deck. Highly recommended. Uh, and the guiding message to close out that one is, what does the air of air hold for you at this time? Bring this situation to the altar of inspiration. What wisdom is alchemizing within you? Mm. Also, I notice correspondences here. Air is also associated with Gemini, and Gemini is associated with the lovers. So Ooh. That's kind of fun. Also associated with our lovely Ezra Jane. My favorite Gemini. Truly my number one gem. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that feels so good. Like that spell just sounds so empowering. I was actually journaling today about my card of the year, Strength. I wrote down like I'm kind of freaked out about my card being strength because it means that I'm going to have to utilize my resilience. I'm like, fuck, I love being resilient, but could I just like be, you know? Yeah. But also, you know, no, you can't. (laughs) Not really. In small doses. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Yeah. I both not ready and also like, I'm ready. You know, I'm strong. I can handle it. It's also about achieving and overcoming and becoming stronger. And, um, that spell just feels like it super hits home. And this year for me feels very like, don't forget your divination. It feels so good to you. You are a seer. You can get clarity through your ritual. Uh, and I wonder what those cards feel like they might correspond to in your life, Amber. Well, my card of the year is the tower. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So talk about strength, right? I mean, my card of last year was the devil and it was definitely a devil year for sure. You know, really looking at self-imprisonment and internal bondage. And the tower is about removing that which is not serving anymore. And so whenever we're talking about cards of the year or 
our personal cards, I think it's really impactful and really helpful to layer the cards all together. So my birth card is the emperor. My card of the year, the cycle I'm moving through is the tower. And the larger cycle, the larger theme is the lovers. So what happens when an emperor that has built their (laughs) kingdom then sees the destruction of their kingdom, maybe a kingdom that is built around love or on themes of togetherness. It's, it's just like all of these different layers of personal transformation. It essentially is saying that the kingdoms I have built are coming tumbling down. And that to me is an act of love. And that is bringing me closer to myself. It's also like, that's pretty difficult, right? To have an emperor lose their entire kingdom and lose their entire sense of self. And that speaks very much to ego death. What's it like to go through ego death in a lover's year? (laughs) It's hard. Yeah. I am tempted to take back being afraid of my strength card. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I win. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I can totally see that for you. Um, Especially with, you know, your huge plans of, you know, where you want to live in the coming year and with your baby leaving the nest this year and just all of the things you have really built a life. And I kind of, the way you were talking about it, I was envisioning each aspect of your life as a floor in this tower, Mm. like a level. And it's like, okay, if the foundation is Amber's been a mom, for 18 years, well, the foundation is cracking. And like, I mean, you're always going to be a mom, but you and I have talked uh, behind the scenes about how it's, it is a really transformational experience. And then you have your work shifting in a lot of different ways. I mean, you're, you're going to be a therapist. Listeners need not worry about that, but you're just evolving. And I love that you're viewing it from that point of strength saying like, well, I am an emperor and yes, my kingdom is falling, but isn't it loving for me to let the broken buildings fall so I can rebuild something that actually houses my life and all which I rule over? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because also the emperor's teacher card, which we can also get into how to calculate that. The teacher card for the emperor is death, the greatest lesson that the emperor has to learn is ego death is actually becoming soft and not being an emperor anymore. Being a true master is just constantly, constantly learning. So it's, it's right. It's death of a false self, which was needed for the kingdom to be built. Well, now there's this whole entire kingdom. So it's also this huge gift. And the way that we're speaking about, you know, the tarot here this is a way to process the things that happen to you. Yeah. You know, the, the, this is like in vivo in the moment, how Callie and I might understand ourselves against the backdrop of these different constructs. And, you know, when you were talking about your strength card, I was thinking about 
muscle building. That's my go-to. And what happens in order for us to become strong is we get broken down. And you're learning how to be a tattooer right now, <laughs> yeah. which is like an intense process of yeah. learning and breaking down and mm-hmm. then rebuilding again. Mm-hmm. So of course, your you know, card of this year is strength. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. My heart, literally my heart rate just went up when you said that. It was like, oh yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I did my third tattoo over the weekend and it was tattooing is humbling and I have never used that word for anything not because I'm like fuck being humble but just because I haven't truly felt that in an experience like yeah throwing pottery on a wheel is humbling in that you can't master it but that's not a fucking permanent mark on a human you care about for the rest of the time they're alive it's a big deal. And, you know, I, it looks like, I mean, it looks like a good third tattoo. I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty. It do. Like, it do. They're looking good. For a beginner. I yeah. think I am starting out solid, but it is still a beginner tattoo. It has hella shaky lines and that is very motivating for learning more. So that I think does reflect in the strength card, you know, that building a muscle, learning, figuring out a training plan, saying like, maybe I have this goal to, you know, race this race. I don't know to run in a race, you know, you have to go through a training process and you have to build up to it. And like you said, these, we can, we can relate to tarot in a lot of different ways. I always tell people I relate to it in two ways. One is I am having a conversation with the universe because the universe communicates in symbology. It's a universal language. And so when I am pulling those cards, the universe is in control of it. It's going to happen how it's going to happen. And also it is but a psychological tool for me to project upon. Both can be true. I think it might be helpful if we slow down and explain the math briefly of birth cards, teacher cards, and um, your card of the year, because I don't want to take for granted that anyone knows the math that we're talking about. It's not super hard, but it's a little complex. So let me break it down and try to be clear. Your birth card, as Callie was saying, is all the numbers in your birthday added up. So my birthday is November 27th, 1982. That is one plus one plus two plus seven plus one plus nine plus eight plus two. That equals 31. There are not 31 cards in the major arcana. So we're going to want to reduce that down until we're inside of the major arcana, until we're under the number 22. So that three and one, that becomes four. And that is the emperor. That is my birth card. On my birthday every year, I will have a new card of the year. So on November 27th, 2021, all of those numbers added up and reduced down to the tower. And so that is my card of the year for this birthday cycle. So you find your card of the year on your birthday. It's not um, like the lovers is the card of 2022. It's not exactly like that. It's not a Gregorian calendar math equation. It's birthday to birthday. So then your teacher card is a little bit more complicated. So let's let's use Callie's birthday, which is uh, September 2nd, 1989, 9 plus 2 plus 1 plus 9 plus 8 plus 9. That is 38. Again, there's no 38 in the major arcana. So we're going to add 3 and 8, and then we get 11. 
And as Callie was saying, when you get a double digit in your math, then you can reduce down further. You want to try to get to a single digit. Although if you're trying to get to a single digit, you're going to stay, you know, just in kind of a narrow field. So that 11 isn't insignificant. So Callie reduces it down to the high priestess, but it's the teacher card. That's the 11. It is the number before you reduced. And that teacher card represents major themes or lessons that the high priestess has to learn in her life, which is justice. This um, sense of sovereignty and law is a major um, lesson for Callie's life, let's say. My teacher card, death, is a little bit more complicated to find. Let me explain. So that 31, it, um, <clears throat> it, it just goes to four, right? It doesn't give me a double digit. So then I'm, I'm looking at this one plus three equation I did. That's also the same as 13. And that's how you figure out that death is the teacher card for the emperor. It's not because 31 is represented in the majors, but because 31... Um, numerologically, if I'm saying that correctly, numerologically, geez, that's a hard word to say, is, um, is the same as 13. So I can take apart that four and I can see the 13 within it. And that is my teacher, the dissolution of empire. So taking your birth card and just thinking about it through the lens of this year is what we're doing. Um, and you can also you know, pull a card for the year. And personally, when I'm pulling my year ahead spread, which I just did, so that's a card for every month. Um, if one pops out, then I consider that an assistant. That's like an extra message or maybe a clarifier. And I was very delighted to see that the card that just popped out of the deck was the 10 of cups. Thank goodness. That's a very, very lovely card to get popping out of your deck. It is. I think it's one of the like top favorites of most people. It's it's a mm -hmm. good card. It's like, oh my God, you're so loved and surrounded by abundance. Look at you go. Your bank is full in every way. Hell yeah. And you can feel it. You know, yeah. there's, pl there's plenty of times in our life when that is objectively true, but we don't <sighs> feel it. We can't embody it. So it's that really embodied sense of satisfaction and emotional fulfillment. You know, I wonder if it would be helpful to even just explore what is the lovers, you know, like yeah. what is this card and how do we take medicine and wisdom from that card and let it guide the year? Yeah. I mean, all right, let's each talk about, you know, what we associate with the lovers. The very first thing that I think of is not romantic relationships, but rather self-love, um, self-care, tending to the lover within ourselves, um, truly being our own soulmate. That's my number one go-to. What about you? Every time I just hear the song, what, Man in the Mirror? <laughs> Looking at the man in the mirror. You know, it just, <laughs> it, it just reminds me that this card is not a romantic card, actually. I have heard other tarot enthusiasts say, I do not like pulling the lovers because it's this intense card of self-evaluation and self-reflection. 
And the lovers developmentally in the tarot is really in the first line of the tarot. And if you're curious what I'm talking about, you can go back to uh, one of our previous episodes on tarot. We only have two. I can't recall which one exactly has tarot grids in it, but I believe it's the first and second one. I think I talked about it in both, where you line up the major arcana in three lines of seven, taking the fool out. And the first line represents the ego or the conscious mind. The second line is the unconscious or... um, the, the dissolution of the ego. And then the third line is a very spiritual line where all of the, the ego and the ego death are both integrated into a new form. And you can kind of superimpose psychological processes on that grid, personal processes. We're always going through these themes, but the first line where the lovers lives is very much about the conscious mind. It's about self-awareness. It's about self-love. Yes. And also about seeing so hey we got the seer that was Mm -hmm. perfect being able to see the man Mm -hmm. in the mirror the woman in the mirror (laughs) all of it right all of those people that are in the mirror looking back at you because the most important and potent relationship you have in this world is the one you have with yourself and when you are not in right relationship with self you aren't in right relationship with anyone else And I struggle with the term right relationship because I don't like right and wrong and good and bad. I don't find them helpful devices. And also something about the term right relationship. You know what I'm talking about. Alignment. I'm talking about alignment within the aspects of yourself. Right. I mean, I think that a lot of folks might hear that and kind of recoil just like they do when, you know, somebody says, Uh, if you want to love anybody else or like be loved, you have to love yourself first. And people are like, fuck that. I'm lovable no matter where I'm at. And that's true. You are lovable no matter where you're at. You're worthy of love. You're valuable. And if we do not know ourselves, we cannot present ourselves. And therefore what is being loved is not a full representation or one might argue a true representation of who we are. So it's about being honest with ourselves and working on our shit because none of us are free from trauma. And, you know, a lovely person can be fantastic 360 days of the year, but those few days where their trauma makes them into, you know, a horror show for all the people who love them, like that's going to affect your relationships. So it's not saying you're not lovable or not worthy of love. It's saying we all have work to do and we are in a constant process of unveiling that self. So I really like that you brought the seer into that because it is also about seeing ourselves, seeing past the veil of trauma and past the veil of our coping mechanisms, which can be so necessary and so beautiful and helpful. It's just when they become mm, counterproductive that we have to really dismantle them or at least learn how to use them very consciously. Yeah, I'm totally feeling everything you're saying. What's coming up for me is the way that doing work around relationships, doing that lover's card work is like the heart of darkness for so many people because of past traumas. And let's just break down like very simply, what is trauma? It's fear. 
It's an embodied sense of fear. Every trauma response is the nervous system saying, I'm not safe. My life has taught me I'm not safe. And so we all have this really sophisticated, you know, almost like computer system for assessing risk. And if we have not had a lot of regulation or a lot of exposure to regulated states, not only do we not know what they feel like when we encounter them, often they feel like nothingness, mm-hmm. um, right? Um, we don't know what to do with them or with the fear. And relationality, I, you know, that's where most of our pain comes from, is from relational trauma. Some mm-hmm. of us have natural disasters that have happened to us or institutionalized racism is trauma, poverty is trauma. There's many layers, but really most of what we talk about on the podcast is relationship-based traumas because that's what complex PTSD is, is relationship-based developmental traumas. So I think that the lovers embodying all of that, the light and the dark, is why a lot of tarot enthusiasts say, ah, fuck, I don't want to see that lover's card pop up because you're going to ask me to look in that heart of darkness. And that's where, that's where all the pain is. I so feel that the heart of darkness, um, it's so scary to walk into the darkness. Um, but that's why you and I are so drawn to our dark goddesses. You know, we've got our Hecate, we've got our Persephone, we've got all the dark goddesses waiting in the wings. I'm sure they'll all show up at some point. (laughs) Um, but how do we how do we really work with the lovers card as a theme what are we on the lookout for this year what do we do to invoke the positive energies of it do you have any thoughts yeah i've i've really been turned on by the concept of hope which for like a dark bitch like me is kind of off brand <laughs> for me to be so interested in light right now and candles and flames. I built torches in the Yule time in the snow just Mm -hmm. as a meditation, just to try, just to learn different pagan ritual arts and crafts. I think that for one, it's the season too. I mean, the themes of the season are really present. You know, that lover's card might feel very different in the summer for us, but right now, I think it's valuable to look at that card within the season that it exists. Personally, I don't set long-term goals. I set seasonal goals. I set some big objectives for the next five years, but piece by piece, it's the seasons. And that to me Mm -hmm. is also a pagan way of living. Yeah. So if we're looking at the lover's card in this season and with the themes of this season, That to me is lighting a candle in the dark so that you're not alone with all those selves. I have also been listening to the Crypto Naturalist, which if you're not listening to, I highly, highly recommend listening. And the author of the book, Field Guide to the Haunted Forest, his name is Jared K. Anderson, and he is the Crypto Naturalist. So there's a little poem I would like to read, and it's called... Candle facts number two. (laughs) A lit candle is a tiny flickering animal standing on top of all the food it will eat in its lifetime. A candle is a leash 
They let us tame an ancient devouring force of nature, older than life, and stick it in a little jar on a shelf. A candle is a pet god. Ooh, wow. You're just bringing the best words this time, as per usual. (laughs) I'm very verbose, as my therapist says. (laughs) Uh, A candle is a pet god? Yeah. Oh, I love that. a little pet god, right? Just last night, a client said to me, and if they're listening, they'll they'll know who they are. So I kind of hope that they (laughs) are listening. They said, are we gods or are we monsters, Amber? And I said, we're both, aren't we? Hmm. We're, we're, we're both. We have all of that. And that's why it's that heart of darkness. So can you bring illumination to that space? And a candle is small. I have a candle burning right next to me. You know, it's not a floodlight. <laughs> we're not, we're not overexposing all of these aspects of yourself to a light that would harm it or overexpose it in a way that would be uncomfortable. A candle is soft and warm little God to sit with you. And so in a more practical, less poetic way, that could literally be sitting in the dark with a candle and letting yourself cry. And the whole time knowing that that cry is a storm, it's weather, it's just passing through you and over you, that's okay. Let the weather come, let the environment of your interior world do whatever it needs to do. Because that, to me, is the way to love the self, is to feel any impulse that comes up and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And that is really hard to do. Yeah. Really hard to do. It really requires first that we slow down really hard, that we slow the fuck down, which I think is very difficult. It's very (laughs) difficult, especially when we're in a fear response, a fear response, a traumatized part coming up. It it doesn't want you to sit down. It wants you to move. That's what it wants to do. And that movement, that desire for for speed, that becomes anxiety. So, you know, we're all very aware of how difficult it is to sit and how easy it sounds coming out of my mouth. And (laughs) that is the work, bit by bit, just sit still. You know, I was just talking to my therapist this morning um, about how I was in a really activated state yesterday. And I woke up today feeling the same. I woke up at 5 a.m. today, and I have been up since then. Oof. And, well, you know, I'm not tired because <laughs> my anxiety is so high. And I was talking to my therapist, and they're like, you know, that's when you pull out this coping mechanism that we've developed together and this one and this tool and this regulation. And I was like, wow, you're so right. Why don't I ever think of those things in the moment? And they... They gave me a piece of information that helped me so much. They literally explained why that doesn't pop up. And they were like, well, because your prefrontal cortex is not working when you're traumatized. When you're in that triggered state, you are just in panic. So your brain doesn't say, oh, how can I fix this? It says, how can I get away from this? And they gave me yet again... (laughs) the advice that I have ignored until this point, which is to make a coping kit, make a list of the things that work and put it in a place that I would naturally go to when I'm in that panic state, which for me, I I barely have habits in my life, but I drink so much tea. So putting it probably like near my tea shelf or my mugs makes a lot of sense. And gathering supplies that I know will comfort me in those times. I have so many times said like, oh, I should do that. I tell people to do that. 
but it wasn't until I actually understood today why I never think of those things that I realized why I need to do that. So, you know, if something is not sticking, if you're saying to yourself like, okay, I get that that's important, but I don't feel like it's important. That is very real. And that is where, you know, a great therapist or even just doing your own research can come in handy. Asking, why do I feel this way? Why can't I think of how to manage these situations? And gifting yourself the space to prepare for those experiences because you never know when they're coming, right? You never know when you're going to get a call that someone you love has had a car accident. That was a fear of mine for so many years that every time I wasn't around somebody I loved, they were going to die. And luckily I'm on anxiety meds now. (laughs) And it's also true. You don't know what's around the corner, right? So regularly emptying that cup of overwhelm doing those grounding exercises can help us so that we are prepared when the unknowable happens. And I think that that's really a good way to live the lover's card is, you know, think about how to love your future self that you cannot see. The seer also knows what they cannot see, right? They're going to look at a wall and be like, well, I can't see through that. So what do you do? to go into the room on the other side of that wall, you probably want to like turn a light on. You probably want to be ready if there are stairs ahead. So you can't know before it happens, but what you can do is you can love yourself. You can get yourself the help you need. You can get yourself the tools that are going to help you manage what you already know about yourself. And you're probably going to uncover some stuff in that, in that space of supplying yourself and loving yourself. And you're going to get to know it better And I love your advice of, you know, saying I love you to those parts as they come up. And what I remind my clients of all the time is, you know, when you have that really loud voice in you that says like, oh, fuck you, or everyone's trying to hurt me, or I I need to just run away. I need to give up everything I'm doing. This is stupid. First of all, that is a traumatized child inside of you. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way. I mean that in a very tender way. That is a baby that needs to be loved. And what they're saying is, I deserve to be safe. Keep me safe. Please keep me safe. So saying like, I love you and I am going to keep you safe is the right way to treat a kid when they're really freaked out. Saying like, shut up. You're so dumb. Why are you acting like this is a really abusive way to treat a scared child. And we are always not just the fool in tarot. We are always a child inside of our adult bodies as much as we are always a teenager and an elder and the adults that we are. So being the lovers is really giving compassion to ourselves and yeah, to others, but truly tending to ourselves first and foremost, being our own soulmate, being our best lover and partner. And, you know, the one who walks through this life, the only one who walks through this exact life. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And snap snaps. I mean, (laughs) I can't snap, but if I could, I would. Um, It's my, it's my only imperfection. Flap, 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 just (laughs) chubby noise in a microphone. 
first of all, you know, one of my responses to that is just a, a quick little hack from a therapist, y'all. Anytime there's a disparity between your thinking and feeling, some of your trauma is up. Um, that's, uh, that's a dissociative thing. That's a splitting that happens. Um, childhood abuse particularly splits up our aspects of selves very starkly. And I think it's also important to note here that bringing in all the aspects of yourself and saying, I love you, that's, an, that's ideal. Okay. And that's, that's a place to work towards being able to just say to them, I see you is often where we need to begin. And I'm sure I've already mentioned this on the podcast. It's a scaffolding. I, in the past, I, I have made the mistake of going straight to self-love when guiding people through change. And if they don't have any buy-in or if they haven't experienced self-love, you know, I'm just kind of talking shit to them. That doesn't matter. Um, Self-neutrality is also very, very powerful. And I hope that in this lover's year, you know, whoever's listening and, and you and me included, we can at least say I love you to one of those aspects that's maybe a little bit more difficult to love because that little self that's in pain is casting a really large shadow and it feels like a very big, powerful thing when it's actually not, right? And like you said, being able to say I love you to a scared child is how you calm them down. And it also, you know, this lover's year reminds me of how love is an action word. It's not, it, it's, it's, it's not just a concept. Yeah. It's not just a feeling. It's a thing that you do. When you love the people in your life, you do things for them, like take care of them when they're sick or, you know, pick them up from the airport or, you know, sit with them in their pain. You do something. Your body does something to show that that you love them. And when we don't experience alignment between doing and feeling, we don't feel very satisfied in relationships. I mean, how many people have said, I love you and then hurt you? Bell Hooks said, love is a verb. Uh, love is a feeling is called ador, like adoration. And that's not love. That is just an emotional state. Love is active. So to love the self is, is active. It's an active pursuit. It's something that you do. It's not something that you think. So that also means you don't have to feel like you love yourself. Exactly. You got to act like it. You can pretend about it. Absolutely. This often, you know, when I'm working with adults, this is very counterintuitive. You mean that when I'm upset, you really want me to go to another room and put a weighted blanket on myself and cry? Yes. That's really (laughs) what you want me to do? Yes, that's really what I want you to do. I want you to put your fucking phone down, get out of the car, step away from the argument, whatever it is. Yeah, I want you to do a whole production. And you might feel totally silly the whole time you're doing it. You might try something and it doesn't work because you don't know how to self-soothe yet. Because traumatized people are extremely good at pushing beyond their capacity. That is what I thought when you were describing your interaction with your therapist is that, well, you know how to push beyond your capacity. My therapist says to me, do you know how to be at your capacity? Do you know where your capacity is? And I'm like, oh no, no, just constant. I can just more, just take more, Mm -hmm. more. No, actually I don't know where my capacity is. I'm constantly learning it. And it's also a moving 
it's a moving threshold, right? It's not static. Our capacity is different day to day. In the circus, we used to say your edge is different every day. We want to work right up to the edge, but not over it. And the same goes for self-care. It might be incredibly difficult for you to go take a hot shower when your body is screaming for it, but you're focused on answering all of your emails and your stomach is growling and you want to eat, but there's another thing that needs to get done, right? To stop, to slow down and feed yourself, that would be an act of love. Mm -hmm. Simple as that and as hard as that. It's so challenging to actively care for ourselves and anyone else living in the world we live in, in this late capitalism. And, you know, we're not taught to think of ourselves as soft animals who have needs. We're taught to think of ourselves in terms of how much value we bring in any way. How much value do I bring to my relationships? How much productivity am I capable of for my work, my clients, my boss, whatever? How much pride can I provide my parents with? How much can I give my child? We are not taught to think about how much, <laughs> how much joy am I getting out of being alive? Right. Like there's that that meme on Instagram that's like, describe what's wonderful about you without describing anything you do for other people. Go for it. Try. Like, try. Are you <laughs> valid for just being? Mm -hmm. Is there anything valid about you without anyone else telling you that it's valid? I think that part of why we all feel like a huge piece of shit over the winter break when we're not working and desperately need rest is because we're not working. And how over-identified are we with what we do? Rather, we love it or hate it. It's a huge part of our identities. Yeah, as I had my only like long weekend at home that I can even remember ever having, truly, um, I was, you know, scrolling on Instagram. And I scrolled past Glennon Doyle's post and she was like, if you are feeling like shit right now, of course you are, because we are in productivity detox. And I was like, oh, yeah, that hits so hard because I was sitting in my bed feeling very depressive and acknowledging like I feel like shit. And I kept thinking, well, you know, I could work on some drawings for tattooing. I could watch some videos about tattooing. I could work on my social media posts for my business. And then I was like, but I, I'm not supposed to do that right now. I, Monday and Tuesday I had work and I was like, I can't wait to not work. I need this. And then the day came and I was like, all I want to do is work. So the loving thing to do was to say, you know what? We're going to stay in bed and just feel kind of shitty about this because it's important that I'm able to rest. And if that means that I have to rest while also feeling kind of guilty, all right. You got to get through it, not around it. Oh, absolutely. The the self-prescribed induced rest, the, you know, you're going to lay in bed today because you're a burnt out fucking mess and I can't let you go do stuff <laughs> right now because you're yeah. a burnt out fucking mess. I love prescribed bed days. Um, I will often do that if I can tell logically that I've been working for a long stint and haven't rested, but I can't slow down. I was like, okay, forced pause. Um, and also 
you know, something that I did over the winter break and I have done in previous winter breaks to just satisfy the part of me that wants to be creative because there's also creative impulse. A lot of my job is creative, but as Kalina and I have explored in personal time, just because you love your job doesn't mean that you can't get burnt out from doing it. Yeah. I'll give myself little tasks. Like your task today is to make a torch in the backyard. It took me like 20 minutes and I did my job for the day. Right. A lot of what we're speaking to is, again, what does the lover's card as a theme, as a collective theme, look like in the wintertime, mm-hmm. look like in the darkness? We invite you to consider in this dark season what it means to take care of yourself. I agree. Some things that I think would be helpful if you are a fan, like I am, of earthly objects um, are... Any black stone, real big fan of obsidian over here, um, and pair it with a rose quartz. I think that when you're working with a stone that is meant to absorb negativity and you know things that aren't serving you, it's a really good idea to then fill that void. So rose quartz feels to me very much like the lovers as a gem. Yeah, yes, love rose quartz. That reminds me of a little magical practice that I've been doing over the winter, which is um, for the people I love making them little spell jars. So it's a jar full of dried herbs and little pieces of stone. When you're a witch, you tend to collect just a lot of stuff. I have a lot of little pieces of stone. I have a lot of plant material. I have a lot of jars. I have a lot of journals. I have a lot of cards, right? There's just like a lot of accoutrement at this time in my magical practice. And giving these jars full of little baubles to a friend or a loved one to add to their candle wax as it's melting and as it's liquid and speak words of, I don't know, affirmation, comfort. Um, I am safe. I am stable. I am loved to speak that into a handful of herbs and then add that to your burning candle. Careful. They can ignite. I have played with this. <laughs> so just little bits, right? Cause they're going to add to the flame and it can get a little out of control. So just kind of sprinkle it in. And then as it dries, it will be solid in there. And every time you relight the candle, it will work the spell for you. Little, um, physical, rituals to concretize the theme of the season. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Do you have anything to add before we do our wrap up? I certainly don't. It feels. Yeah. Yeah. I feel resolved. We always end on, we're always like, yep, that's the end. It's therapist time. Um, so it's 55 minutes. <laughs> I hung out with another therapist. Um, shouts out to Josh at the uh, Hearth uh, Health Collective in Port Townsend, Washington. We went on a cool little walk around a park, and we were exa- exactly at 55 minutes. We were done. And it was like, oh, therapist clock. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm-hmm. love that. Uh, well, before we head off to do our Patreon bonus content which this week is an episode of self as myth by you amber yes i spent my winter solstice resting and also writing 
So if you've been with us for a minute, you'll remember that I did an episode on Medusa. I don't remember when. I think it was in the spring. And I was like, I'm going to like get to know gods and goddesses and just like make a regular monthly episode about that learning. And that's so fucking cute that I thought that I would build <laughs> intimate relationships with deities and just easily be able to compress that. No, I... I did commit to that process, but it took me this long to like sift through it. So I have a big, fat, juicy exploration of Ellen of the Ways, a primordial Celtic horned deer goddess. I found out, Callie, that she's horned because she is technically a reindeer, and reindeer are the only species of deer where the ladies have horns. They're a little hermaphroditic, which I love. She is also called Ellen of the Hosts, Ellen mm. of the Pathways. She was an actual person in the fourth century and a myth. So Ooh. very, very compelling exploration of her entry into my life and mm. what she has been doing in it. It's been very cool and very intense. I love that. And I plan on making a self as myth about Lilith, who has just come into my life, um, or rather... I have come into her life because she's, you know, way <laughs> older than me. Um, but before we head off to do that, I just want to say thank you to our newest patrons. We've got Maria, Holly, Jade, and Eru. I am so sorry. I know I said it wrong. I know I did because it's an Icelandic name, I think. And I don't know how to say that. But you know what? If you send us a voice message on Instagram at Pocket Coven Podcast. Uh, let me know how to pronounce your name and I will give you another shout out and I will respond <laughs> to that voice message. We love our friends in Iceland. We are very loved in Iceland. <laughs> so thank you. We love Iceland. We really hope to be able to come there when Omicron or Omicron or I don't know, old crone um, is. We have, a, we have a standing invitation to go to Iceland and yeah. we really want to safely go. So we'll see what we can do. We want to come see you uh, and we want to host you. There are so many things we hope to do. So please, if you are capable of it, if you are able to safely do it, please get the booster. Please wear a mask wherever you go uh, and make sure it's a quality one. And of course, as usual, please support the podcast with a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, we haven't gotten a new review in 2022, so you could be our very first review of this year, and it would mean so much to us. And if you want to give us a couple bucks, you can get every single extra episode that we've ever made on our Patreon. That's more than 51 pieces of bonus content, and they're all just waiting for you. And as we said, we have another podcast that is exclusive to Patreon members, which I think will be far more active this year. I mean, Callie's getting on board, right? Like we'll be exploring mythology and essentially God and goddess veneration and its impact on us um, mm -hmm. over on Patreon. So we'd love to see you there. There's a lot more sound effects too on that side. <laughs> so if you like sound effects. <laughs> if you like the sound of swords and seas and... <laughs> rustling leaves come see us there <laughs> uh happy new year which is may the lovers treat you well until next time brooms up yeah weigh the fuck up whoop, whoop. <laughs> you can't whoop whoop that's a juggalo thing Callie. <laughs>
We're not whoop whooping on the podcast. We've talked about this. You constantly are trying to get me to work ICP into the podcast. Not <laughs> constantly. And you never let me.